you guys for bearing with me through that first session. <laughs> uh, so obviously, one of the reasons I, I wanted to do a workshop too, in addition to, to preaching, was to be able to talk a little bit about this stuff, because I know it's affecting us um, as a body, um, in terms of as a church at large. So I really wanted to be able um, for us to just dive in and, and talk about um, these things in case you all have questions. So at the end of our session, at the end of our time, I will allow for more specific questions to you ahead of time. It will just be sort of Q&A um, for you that are here. Um, just trying to find one more document. So as I mentioned earlier today, sex in the dark is basically any sex that is outside of God's grand design and good intention. So that would be sex apart from marriage. So anything else I often see falls into a category of substitute intimacy. Sex in and of itself was given to us to reflect the intimacy that exists within the Trinity. So when God wanted to give a picture of complementary beings operating in unity in the midst of diversity, he gave us sex. Sex for us is a picture of the Trinity. And what it also is, is it's a covenant strengthening, covenant affirming, covenant, covenantal experience or recommitment of married people when, they're, when the act is committed. And so that's God's intention for it, for sex. So, I mean, I think of how interesting it is that, you know, you have to be uh, 21 to drink and 18 to get a license. You know, what the we are. You know, 60 places. You know, but at whatever age we're allowing people to have sex, you know, we're, I mean, and sex has some potential. There's life and death, literally, you know. There's life that can be procreated and death when there's abortion or other things that attach to the transmission of STDs. So sex is a big deal. It's not a, it's not a, light, uh, a light matter or area. And a lot of us know it because of sex in the dark, because we find ourselves in different forms of bondage. Um, so I think of the, some of the primary ones, pornographic addictions. Um, I think of masturbation, these two normally go hand in hand. Um, as a person who speaks on this kind of stuff and talks to people, these are like the primary two that I have to talk about um, with people. Um, well, the primary four, the way the devil has rigged it, sex in the dark, man, all these sins just go together. You sort of find yourself in a web. Or I found out, speaking, dealing with me, I found myself in a web. Um, and then, you know, SSA, which is, that is the, the best term to address same-sex attraction versus calling persons gay or homosexual. Those are identity stamps. Um, so versus same-sex attraction just describes more so the condition because even within people who are same-sex attracted, there are people who don't identify as gay or who don't, I don't define myself as gay, I define myself as in Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so, so I, so that's why I use the term for the most part, SSA, it's a person who has, lives with unwanted SSA. Um, oh, certainly, sorry. Gotcha. Yeah, I, uh, I get a good echo back, so I was afraid I was being too loud. So, okay, great. So, and I told I got big mad. So, um, so, um, so pedophilia, and there's a reason why I'm mentioning this one. Pedophilia being um, 
attraction, for the most part, to minors, to very, very young children. And the reason why I mention that is because in the midst of our sexual revolution, because of the great strides that the LGBTQ movement has made, this particular one is wondering when is it going to be our turn? Because as we're seeing, so, so that's the danger and the fear of letting sex in the dark reign and rule with free dominion. Is because when we start going down the road, and it's just like, well, when will it stop? Because if SSA, if we're saying that this is an identity, that this is a people group, mm -hmm. um, these guys are saying, well, what about us? And so, so that's the danger. That's the fear. Um, so I, I often find myself counseling and talking about these. So I want to talk about them with y'all, you know, because you signed up for this workshop. So, <laughs> so now you're stuck. Um, so, let's, so, so I will do a little bit of um, just helping us get a, a bigger picture of how big the problem is, because I was a part of um, an organization called Love 146. Love 146 basically is an organization that exists in domestic sex trafficking um, everywhere. Um, particularly, they are aiming to rescue minors. Um, so when I talk about sex trafficking, what I would have information like people just didn't believe that it was a real thing. Like, I had to convince them that this was happening in their own backyards. So I live in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the third largest port of sexually trafficked humans in the world. That's scary, because if I had a little baby child, like, <laughs> that would be pretty scary um, to know. And so, and you're in Tacoma, so it's definitely happening here because you have a port. And you have huge cargoes and container ships, and people are being sexually, sexually trafficked around the world. So I would have to convince people that this was a real thing, that it was happening. I'd have to give them statistics and show them videos and stuff. I'm saying all that because sometimes I have to do that even in our midst of Christians to wake us up to what's happening in the world all around us. 9.7 million Americans live with an unmarried opposite-sex partner. 1.2 million Americans live with an unmarried same-sex partner. Every second, $3,075.64 is being spent on pornography. Every second, 28,258 internet users view pornography. Every second, 372 internet users type adult search terms into search engines. Every 39 minutes, a new pornographic video is created in America. In the US alone, 1.3 women are raped per minute. That's 78 rapes per hour, 1,872 rapes per day, 56,160 rapes each month, 683,280 rapes a year. One out of every three women has and will experience sexual assault in their lifetime. One out of every six boys the same. 4.5 million humans are currently being enslaved against their will in the sex slavery industry. 85% of the world's pornographic material and its profits are generated in the U.S. alone. 85%. Porn generates more revenues than all of the major league sports franchises combined. Sex is an American idol. And the problem with idols is that they always overpromise and underdeliver. 
and they require sacrifices. So what we're hearing are the sacrifices to this idol of sex and lust that is happening all around us. And I, so I'd be a fool to think that that hasn't penetrated the walls of our church. I know that from personal experience. <laughs> so so th this, this whole idea of it's not a big deal and it's not happening and we're not an oversex culture, you better wake up, people. You better get real. So, so when I think about that, um, you know, we just have to talk about it. And so, so I'll start with pornography. Um, so looking at pornography alone, I think of how pornography came into my life. So I told you about basically the story of uh, a little bit of my story and how when I was very young, so we were homeless for a period of time. The building we lived in was condemned, and we had to get out. So Red Cross showed up one day, dumped us in the van, and I'll take you somewhere. So he took us to a hotel. We were in a hotel for about a year and some change, living in a hotel. And um, the TV did this weird thing that I didn't know then, but I know it now because I've worked in hotels for the past 15, 16 years. That's what I do professionally in the hospitality industry. And um, the TV was broke, so every movie that everybody ordered played on our TV. People are like, yay, that's awesome. Like, you got to read, you know, all the stuff that people were ordering and you didn't have to pay for it. Oh, I got all of the movies that people ordered when they're in hotels. Let me give you another personal statistic that I learned. During religious conventions at hotels, we see a spike in pornographic movies. I worked at two conference centers. I got to see it for myself. Religious conventions, <coughs> spike in pornographic material ordered and downloaded. And so, in the midst of that, we know we've got a sexual problem. So we we so we got these movies as kids, and I remember seeing them and being as as a very young kid in my formative years that um, oh, this is what people do when they love each other. So I got this twisted picture that I think a lot of us are victims of. I talked about it this morning where sex equals love. And so my idea of love was somebody doing those things that I saw in that movie to me. That was the idea that I had of love. So, so that is one of the, that shows the inherent danger. I mean, so, so you heard me share, flesh out what that looked like when I met, you know, my ex, as I shared this morning from that story, you know, you, you heard me share how all of those reasonings turned into that picture mm -hmm. and that idea of love and that worship of this false picture of love. So, so what do we say? So basically pornography defined is just any sexual material created to stimulate an arousal in the viewer. That's all it is. Now, the American Clinical Association is trying to change that. Well, it could be, you know. It's more subjective. It's dependent upon what the viewer deems. But the main thing that happens with pornography is a person is reduced to a sexual object that we use for our own gratification. 
gives, lust takes. It's a, it is nothing more than a vehicle of lust. It is reducing a person down to a sexual object that I can use to be gratified, get pleasure, and move on about my business. It's delight without the demand. Coitus without the covenant. It's all it is. And so we cannot be deceived about that. So, so, so we know things so inherently within it, usage of it does breed some sense of shame. Because part of that is God trying to snap us out of it. And so, so, as, so as people who, who, who live, so for me, it's been a long battle. The only thing I can tell you, I can't give you no easy way out. I can't give you a magic bullet. <laughs> you just have to fight. <laughs> That's all I can tell you, is you just have to fight. Now, where I think that plays out in community is, because I, early in the first session, I talked about how you can't do it alone. That's a biggie. I got to tell somebody <laughs> that I'm struggling with looking at this, looking at that. Because see, like I said, you know, anything you hide has power over you. So one of the ways to get the power back is to confess it. I love this. This so I, this happened to me one time. Um, so and this is how I know the flesh fights dirty. I went on a went on a good cleanse. So okay. So here's a practical thing: get real, get radical, get practical. <laughs> like I, it is not. You don't need to be a spiritual juggernaut and come up with this. Well. If I just eat these vegetables this day, I don't struggle, and if I, you know, no, <laughs> okay? Well, God, my libido, get out of here. Get out of here. Lie. <laughs> if my wife did more of it, if my husband did it, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> no, 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 you have the Holy Spirit of God. You can control yourself. Yeah. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and what? Self-control. <laughs> You got it. He's in there. You can say no. So we have to learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So, so I was having a tough time because I told you this morning I was believing lies. And one of these lies that I believed for years is I deserve God. Young. I'm sexy. <laughs> you know, I'm attractive. I'm successful. I'm a good person. I deserve to be having sex. Don't I deserve it? <clears throat> I mean, this is the conversation that the devil was having me in my head. So then, and because I didn't have the guts to go out into the world, well, there's this. You know? <laughs> That's what happened. And so, in the midst of all of that, um, finally we came to a head, and so um, I said, okay. Okay, radical. That's not comfortable. Deal with it. You want to be free? <laughs> One of my old pastors used to preach this all the time. Every time he preached and he talked about freedom, we would hear about Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> and how he crawled through the pipe, the, um, the waste pipe, you know, like, ugh. 
through feces and urine of a whole prison system, gagging and barfing all along the whole way to be free. <laughs> and he would tell us, if you want to be free, there's no cost that's too high. And so, so in that, you know, I, so finally I said, okay, we're going to be radical. So, so guys, maybe here's what you got to do. Maybe you don't have a smartphone anymore. That's one thing. Or if you need a smartphone, so my pastor, one day I said, okay, you know, I was doing good, and, but I was still watching Game of Thrones and Outlander, so that wasn't happening. <laughs> um, so, you know, so finally, <laughs> so finally, um, I, you know, we put that aside, whatever, but as the first step that I did is, okay, we got a, a, a Covenant Eye software. It is a filtering software, internet accountability. So everyone who's a leader in my church has Covenant Eyes on their devices. So, as, so somebody somewhere gets to see everything that you're looking at and downloading. It's a good deterrent. <laughs> A good helpful. Sometimes we had weak moments. I blew through those because I was in bondage that day. Blow through that. Okay, here's what I need. I need, I, okay, God says, go higher. More. But John 15 says this thing that he prunes every branch in him that bears fruit. <laughs> His freedom is always going to cost a little bit more then what you prepare to give. But you had the Holy Spirit help you. So I said, okay. Okay, Reverend Doctor, we tried that. What are we going to do next? Okay. How about this? I need you to set up my cell phone like your 11-year-old son's cell phone is set up. So I can't update my phone right now. I can't even get Uber. I had to call a taxi cab the other day. <laughs> It was scary. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, said, I mean, so now I'm like, I can do whatever an 11 year old kid can do from my phone. <laughs> Is it inconvenient? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Has it been a good long stretch? Oh, yeah. Longer than it's ever been. So, so I'm saying that not to say do exactly what I did. I'm saying that the Holy Spirit has already touched your heart with radical steps that you may need to take in order to be free. And like I said, the only thing standing between us and victory is the cost. Who will pay the cost? Here's the crazy part. The cost has already been paid by Jesus. All you have to do is to step into what he's already provided. Oh, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss that. Oh, really? <laughs> like, end of the world? Come on, we're not teenagers here. We're babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my life is over. <laughs> we all had those moments. I still have those moments. Anyway, so, so what I'm saying is we've got to get radical. We've got to get real. Be prepared to fight. Because the flesh is going to fight dirty. So the flesh started to fight dirty. Like I tell you, I hope you remember that. When you leave, the flesh will fight dirty. Be prepared. It'll throw mud in your eye. Kick you in the you know what. I'm telling you, it will fight dirty. So the flesh said, I want 
Porn. No flesh. There's nowhere to get it. <laughs> Recovered. But <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, you can see some pretty some pictures that come close. So I go to do you on Facebook. I look at these pictures and I like one of them. And then Facebook does this thing where it comes up in your feed. <laughs> the pictures you like. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so I gotta read you a conversation. Oh boy, it's gonna be embarrassing. Uh, so I get a text. Had a had a low day, whatever. Looked at something, liked it. Someone sent me a picture. Hey, this came up on my Facebook feed. Listen to my responses. <laughs> Whoa, not me. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part too is that I'm I'm in the bathroom using scrubbing bubbles because that came up as the ad. Like the feed was that plus scrubbing bubbles, and I was in the bathroom cleaning my bathtub using scrubbing bubbles. <laughs> So the Lord like was just, I mean, come on, God, really? <laughs> so, I think I've been hacked. <laughs> I think I've, I'm seeing more and more, and I'm checking it out on Facebook. Thank you for texting me that. We do need to talk, though. Blah, blah, blah. And then this one of business said, I mean, oh, man, this is so bad. Lie. <laughs> So I went home, and then I, you know, it was my day to clean the church. So I went and I cleaned the church and got the sanctuary ready for the next day. And I was just sitting in the building, all in just me and the Holy Spirit of God. And he talked a whole lot. And I talked back, and then he talked some more. And then I talked, he, you know, we just we went on all day and finally got to 2.49 a.m. in the morning. And I woke up and I sent him this text. I said, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. I need to confess to you that I lied yesterday. The night before last, I had a weak moment of lust and trolled some pages on Facebook. When you confronted me with what you saw in my feet, I attempted to justify and defend myself by lying. That was a grievous sin. I'm sorry that I lied, defamed Jesus, and the ministry he's given me by my lust. And for any injury my failures have caused me, I fling myself upon Christ's mercy. That scripture is crazy. And unfortunately, because I memorized it, <laughs> it convicted me. <laughs> so don't memorize scripture. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> because I memorized it, it convicted me. And that's what Jesus, that promise, he says, he will bring to your remembrance when the Holy Spirit comes in John chapter 17, he was 16, he will bring to your remembrance the things that I already told you. So you put the word in so that you can get it out when you need it. That's why they said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin. So now I'm, I'm lying and the spirit, no, no, no. 
And here's the craziest part. That's why it makes perfect sense with that scripture from Jonah about those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace. By justifying myself, I was clinging to a worthless idol and resisting the grace and the mercy. Because he said, whoever covers his sins won't prosper. <laughs> but whoever confesses and forsakes them obtains mercy. See, mercy is really the only way out. But that's the idea. Whatever we're trying to hide and keep covered up and, and, and keep in darkness, it's never going to bring you to the destination that we believe it's going to get us to. The only way out is mercy. That's why I said we are more sinful than we would ever think, but more loved than we could ever imagine because that's what God did. He provided mercy. He's like, I know you couldn't do any better. So I'm giving you mercy. Receive it. Stop trying to earn it. I tried to justify all with a lie. <laughs> oh, I've been hacked. <laughs> I need to delete my account. And oh, yeah, you were hacked, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the way, that was hacked. Got to tell He put that pornography in front of me. But so, so this is what, so this is what I mean in terms of the things that are underneath. And, and God allows us to, to teach us. He works through us failing so that he can teach us by the Holy Spirit. He redeems us. He doesn't use our sin, but he redeems us in the midst of it. Yeah. He's fixed if we will learn. Yeah. If we're listening. Because yeah. I have a choice. I can just you know, let this lie. And, I, and you know, lying is too much work. If you tell one lie, you got to tell another one. You got to tell another one. You got to remember the lie that you told, and then you know, then you add to it, and the next thing you know, you were on a helicopter, and you know, it's like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> Lord, I'm coming clean. I'll take the beating. <laughs> That's it. That's what I did as a kid. You know, my mom, she was good at catching lies. Oh, man. She, she should have been a lawyer. <laughs> you know, so I would watch my brother. I'm like, oh, this is not going to go there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Moving right along. Mercy. That's it. So why not receive the mercy of God? Substitute intimacy. I think the biggest part of what porn is doing, what it is tattooed, is it is a shortcut to intimacy. A lot of us are lacking social and spiritual and emotional intimacy and are trying to fill the void with sexual. Because we grew up in a world where sex equals intimacy. Even when I say intimacy, the first thing that comes to everybody's mind is sex. No. There's emotional intimacy. Intimacy is this. Here's what intimacy really is. Intimacy is in the, in the original, in Greek, is being known. Knowing and being known. That's why in Genesis, when it says, also in the Hebrew, it says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and what happened? A child was born. He knew. Because I told you this morning, sex is total life entrustment. It's being known. It's bringing all of you to all of someone else. And that's the danger with pornography is it's teaching us to do this virtually. So i got to read you an article 
that um, I read years ago. It came out maybe about five years ago, and it was the uh, first article that made me think along this stream of this thought stream. And it's a uh, it's an article uh, done by Playboy. No, I was not reading the Playboy magazine. <laughs> um, but it was this article was trending. Well, no, tell me my age. Things didn't trend better. But um, anyway, <laughs> it was a popular article somewhere in the world, and uh, and I stumbled across it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is perfect. And this article is written by Playboy, and it was uh, on John Mayer. And here's what John, so they interviewed, I'm going to read um, May, I'm a self-soother. The internet, DVR, Netflix, Twitter, all these things are moments in time throughout your day when you're able to soothe yourself. We have an autonomy of comfort and pleasure. By the way, pornography, it's the new synaptic pathway. You wake up in the morning, open a thumbnail page, and it leads to a Pandora's box of visuals. There have probably been days when I saw 300 naked girls before I got out of bed. Playboy, what's your point about porn and relationships? Internet pornography has absolutely changed my generation's expectations. How could you be constantly synthesizing an orgasm based on dozens of shots? You're looking for the one photo out of 100 you swear is going to be the one you finished to and you still don't. 20 seconds ago, you thought that photo was the hottest thing you ever saw, but you throw it back and continue your shot hunt and continue to make yourself late for work. How does that not affect the psychology of having a relationship with somebody? It's got to. Playboy, you seem very fond of pornography. Maya, when I watch porn, if it's not hot enough, I'll make up backstories in my mind. My biggest dream is to write pornography. Playboy, moving on to number two, masturbation. Masturbation for you is as good as sex? Absolutely, because during sex, I'm just going to run a film strip. I'm still masturbating. That's what you do when you're 30, 31, 32. This is my problem now. Rather than meet somebody new, I would rather go home and replay the amazing experiences I've already had. And if you follow the tabloids, you know this is true, because John Mayer is Mr. Hot Pants, and he's dated like everybody from Jennifer Aniston to the hottest model, and it's never married yet, it's never worked out. So Playboy, you'd rather blank to an ex-girlfriend than meet someone new? Yeah, that ex that's about what explains it, is that I'm more comfortable in my imagination than I am in actual human discovery. The best days of my life are when I've dreamed about a sexual encounter with someone I've already been with. When that happens, I cannot lay off myself. <laughs> this is the world that we're in. And this is the danger that lurks. We have people who are so, we are so we've been so hoodwinked and bamboozled. Quote me out the next line. <laughs> hoodwinked, bamboozled. By the sex industry that it's dehumanizing us. People prefer virtual relationships to real relationships. And we struggle with porn, we see this happening in our own lives. We see this happening. And so there is a danger in that. There's a lot of fear, a lot to be freed from in that. 
and mayor a user and a secularist. <laughs> She's giving it right to us. So, moving through that, he talked about masturbation. Okay. I know there's lots of different viewpoints I've heard, even within the Christian circles. Um, in regards to masturbation, is it okay? Is it for health reasons? You know, gives you clearer skin, whatever. <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard a lot. <laughs> you know, I've heard, I've heard a few things. I've believed a few things. So, you know, we've heard all of that stuff. If sex is about oneness and intimacy, how could stimulating yourself and satisfying yourself do anything? What it is, masturbation is self-worship. You get you going, you get you started, you get you finished. And another person is just a means to it. And this is so crazy how these are affecting society um, because one of the main things, one of our biggest problems is in society that people are having with the millennial generation, is so no disrespect to anybody, this is an observation, so I could be wrong. But we have men who are not growing up and being men is a big problem. And I believe these two are big contributors to that. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Sex is designed for, a man, men have strong sexual desires and urges for the purpose of drawing them out of themselves. Mm-hmm. Masturbation and pornography turn you back in on yourself. So, so as a man, one of the things you God gave you urge is so that you could grow up Shower, shave, put come on on, and get a woman. <laughs> Can you say that again? C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. Sorry. Okay. Oh, y'all like that one. So C.S. Lewis believed that men have strong sexual sexual urges and desires for the purpose of drawing them out of themselves. Masturbation and pornography turn us back in. On ourselves. So, so as a man, part of when you get the thunder down under, <laughs> I know I have all these crazy cliches, don't I? <laughs> but it makes sense. Um, so when that happens, that's for the purpose of growing you up to do what is necessary to pursue, win, and court a woman and move into the next stage of life of responsibility for someone other than yourselves. <laughs> That's what C.S. Lewis saw coming, because he was what, almost 100 years behind us? Or before, excuse me. So, he saw this coming, and he, call, and he called it way back then. And that's why he said the point that these things are so dangerous for that purpose, because that's all they do is they turn us in, focusing on ourselves, and we find ourselves worshiping ourselves. And he, he goes on to paint the picture. He says, so yeah, so this guy, he's got this idea of these women. Notice that what pornography gives you, it's, there's no demand on the man to change. No demand on him to do anything, because they're always happy. No, I'm not going to act like a porn star. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's always you know, someone happy and you know, to receive him, and he's the king, and it's always joy, and it's, mm-mm. it's deception. 
And from, uh, there's a woman who has a great ministry, her name is called Shelly Lubin, and she was in the porn industry for about 20 years, and the Lord saved her, and she's amazing, I love her, and um, I'm hopefully going to be friends with her real soon. So um, she is, uh, and she talks about what it's like to be a porn star and how she's like, if you're watching porn, you're watching people who are, who have struggled with mental illness, who are high on drugs, who are addicted to all sorts of things in order, who hate men. <laughs> she's like, we act like we love you, but we hate you. <laughs> like we, you know, we hate the fact that we have to do this to make money for you. So we hate you, but we pretend that we love you. We make you believe. And, and she tells, she's telling these stories of how she would have to be high every day, drunk every day to do it, the horror behind the sex scenes. I actually, the plan was to show you guys a little clip of her, you know, but I didn't, you know. Uh, so, I mean, that was, that's so interesting. But we're falling for the picture. We're falling for the fantasy. In my studies, it said something else about porn and masturbation. That porn and masturbation happen among thankless people. Because when porn and masturbation happen most among thankless people. Because one of the things Paul says is, let there be no hint of sexual immorality among you, but rather, let there be thanksgiving. Because one of the things that's happening is that Sexual brokenness gains the upper hand by us wishing for a fantasy that we don't have. Mm -hmm. So God, I'm ungrateful for what you gave me. I can just go get my fantasy over here. That's why I said we believe Jesus for salvation, but we don't believe him for fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Instead of believing Jesus in our sexualities, we're believing sex for fulfillment. Mm -hmm. So he says porn is consumed by thankless people. People who are ungrateful. God, thank you for my life. Thank you for my circumstance. Thank you for my singleness. Um, it, it is, uh, ooh, I can't think of the address, but Ephesians 5.30. Ephesians 5.30. You go for it. 5.30. Ephesians 5.30. 3. 3. 3. 5.30. Yeah, there's no 30. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, and actually that's uh, thank you um, but yes he said let there not be any hint of sexual immorality but rather let there be thanksgiving so one of the ways to overcome be grateful <laughs> God I don't like it but I'm grateful I'll give you praise I'll give you thanks because <laughs> I love there's another scripture that I love and I preach this all the time Paul says, he doesn't say give thanks for everything. He says, in everything, give thanks. And guess what else he says? For this is the will of God concerning you who are in Christ Jesus. In everything, no matter what situation you're in, there's a reason for you to give thanks. You can thank God for something. So, short story. So, um, I know because I'm so eloquent and all, y'all know that I'm from the hood. <laughs> and um, I'm one of six kids, <clears throat> five boys, one girl. And so fatherlessness was a big part of our lives, and it affected us in different ways. For me, I ran the streets looking for my father in the arms of a man. For my brothers, they turned they resorted to violence and lots of other stuff. So they were always in jail, in and out. I was like, oh, Lord. 
We were always going to the courthouse, always going to prison, all it was just, whose turn is it now? So in Jersey City, they had such an epidemic of this, <clears throat> and so, so many, so much bad parenting that they passed the law that if your son is a minor, if your child is a minor, and they have to appear before the judge, and the parent doesn't show up, um, then warrant will be issued for the parent's arrest. So one day, we had two brothers who had hearings at the same time. So I had to cut school, and then um, I was working. So I, I called out of work. My mom went to one courtroom. I was in another courtroom in the courthouse. Hey, I'm here appearing for my mother. Da -da, you know her? Oh, yeah, Miss White. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, my brother's down. My brother's upstairs. Da -da -da. So we're walking up the stairs. So in the courthouse, you know, think of the big stone courthouse with the high steps, and we're getting ready. We're walking down, and she says, son, I mean, it was a, it was a sad day. And she said, son, you know, I, I was too, you know, and so I say a lot of crazy things, and I get them from my mom. So, you know, so you can hear her if you said, like, people meet her and say, oh, that must be Kylie's mother. <laughs> um, so, you know, so, you know, she says, son, I'm too cute for this. See, that's the kind of stuff I say. <laughs> so, too cute to be doing the jailhouse rock. I said, well, girl, we doing the jailhouse rock, roll, cha-cha, <laughs> we're doing it all. And, and I said, I said, but you know what? We may be at the courthouse, but we ain't going to the graveyard. She said, hallelujah. <laughs> so there's reason to give thanks in everything. That's why I say that. Because, hey, we may be here, but we ain't at the mortuary. <laughs> there's still hope. These knuckleheads are still breathing. <laughs> Even though I want to help them not right now. <laughs> you know? And so, so there, so Paul says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. This is what God wants you to do. Oh God, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, you do. Give thanks. <laughs> and things will turn around. <laughs> give thanks and you can fight porn masturbation. Masturbation is solo sex. For you, by you, to you. That's it. So I don't agree with the different positions that we have existing. Um, okay. Um, well, we started about 416. Um, SSA. Um, Same-sex attraction. I talked a little bit about that this morning, especially being a person who lives with same-sex attraction. What does that mean? You know, so there's lots of questions. Brief summary of what, what I say about that is, um, you know, people often ask the question, well, are you born this way or was it what happened, you know, with, with your circumstances? I say both. Because <laughs> the reality is we're all born this way. The question is just what that way is. <laughs> Everybody's born with something. The Bible says there is a sin that besets us all. We all got this one thing that if we could get rid of, we'd be pretty holy people. And so, 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 I, so I think of that. I think of the fact that, yeah, born this way, and then I think of brokenness, being nurtured. I was born broken, and then nurtured in a broken community. The world around me did not have good examples of men. So very young, probably when I was seven years old, I said, if that's a man, no thank you, God. <laughs> I reject my gift of gender. And I feel my own sexually autonomous identity in the midst of my same-sex attraction. Went my own way. Got to 25 years old and realized I'm a strong black woman. 
look out for her, or men are going to pay. Scary. Scary business. So, but like I told you earlier, I learned earlier on that God's word has the right to interpret me and not me interpret it. And so I don't get to live just based on how I feel. Because my feelings were injured in the fall. We, we believe we see four significant movements within the story of God. The fall, redemption, re uh, re creation, <laughs> creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Fall, God, uh, creation, God made everything very good and perfect. Fall, everything went to hell. Boom. Sin came into the world, and it infected every sphere of creation. Every sphere. There was no part of reality that was not touched by sin. So we have to take that into our, in our understanding of human anthropology. We need to make sure that we allow the Bible to inform our anthropology of what we see ourselves as existing as human beings. That sin infected every, even our greatest, deepest, and most primal desires were tainted by the fall. So that's what I mean when I say born this way. Because everybody was born tainted. With a crook or a twist somewhere. But redemption, Christ comes on the scene. And he begins to do this thing where he redeems people in the midst of brokenness. He starts to bring little inserts of the kingdom into present life right now. I love this. I saw this picture once. And he said, what redemption is, redemption is a truck that comes from heaven. And the, name, and the label on the truck is eternity. And it starts unpacking boxes on the present world right now. We're getting pieces of heaven right now. So what, so what God did is, I don't just have my same-sex attraction. I have a desire for him. I have a desire for heaven. I have a desire for purity. I have a desire to be a man who loves a woman and fathers children one day at the same time as I have those desires. Now, what I'm convinced of, because God is so great, one day, the big desires are going to win. And that's why I couldn't stay happily in my relationship with my ex-boyfriend. Because I knew, I said, one day, God, you love me too much. You are going to pull the plug on us. You're going to do it. And the Holy Spirit did this crazy thing where it says, and the Spirit makes intercession for us. Hmm. The Spirit is in you praying to God to get your crazy self something that you need from Him. That we don't have the wisdom to ask for. He's talking to God. God, Khalil's in this place, and he's, he's blind right now. He's blinded by his lust. Help him. And so while I was, you know, saying, I said, Lord, you'll have to take him, this man away from me. And the Spirit said, okay. I said, now, wait a minute here, Lord. Oh, I didn't mean that fast. And the Lord did. And then I went through hell. <laughs> Who am I? What am I going to do? I wrecked it all. I threw it all away. And God did this. <laughs> he did this. And so, so in the midst of that, 
I see the whole idea for a lot of us is, you know, there's lots of arguments that are going on, going around regarding this particular area, but I haven't seen one that's, that at some point the arguments break down because you have to deny what God has said. And that's all unbelief ever is. It's, it's a denial that God has said what he said and that he means what he said and that he's able to bring to pass what he's promised. That's what unbelief always is. And it's a catering to enjoying and living in a lifestyle that God didn't ordain and create for me. And I know that as a Christian. Now, does that mean I hate people? No, I can't hate nobody because I know. Girl, I know. And, you know, I tell Look, when that, like I said, when that law came down, I said, uh-oh, this may be my chance to get my husband. I can go back to plan A. My flesh thought it. I said, woo-woo. <laughs> okay, gospel, come back in, help me. No, no, no. <laughs> so so, so I, I'm not hating on it, but I, 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 on that I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so, but does that give me the right to now debunk everything the scripture has taught me? It doesn't. So I talked a little bit about So all of that about these sexual, these areas of sexual brokenness. What do I prescribe? You gotta get radical. You got to get radical and real and decide if you really want to be free or if you don't. God brings us to this place. That's what he's doing in sanctification. He's making us more like him. Because here's the thing, as a Christian, you're never fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Because the victory's already been won. You're not fighting to see if you're going to win. You're just fighting to see how God's going to do it. That's what's happening. See, I knew, I walked into that relationship and I did this, and some part of me said, Khalil, this is doomed. This is not going to work. Because God somehow is holding on to you, even though you're not holding on to him. That's why 1 Timothy says when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Okay, one passage, and then we move on. Uh, Jeremiah 36. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Ezekiel 36, forgive me. It's in Jeremiah too, but it's, I prefer the word in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36. I'm not going to in the Old Testament today. So that, and that's my, that's my thing, because I think us Reformed folks we too busy in all this new covenant that we miss. So I don't mind taking people to the Old Testament. <laughs> Kicking it old school today. Starting in verse 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God. Listen to this. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord. Declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart 
and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You know who that promise was made to? Ezekiel didn't get that. That's for you. The people, in the book of Acts, they said, now is the prophecy fulfilled. <laughs> See, conversion, I love this. I read this. This was a book that helped me right after I came out of my relationship and God had to fix me and the truckload of Christians put me back together. He, this book, it's called Outrageous Mercy by William P. Farley. And he says, conversion doesn't take a detour around our desires. It goes right through them. Conversion changes what will ultimately make us happy. That's why when a Christian sins, there's misery. So if you sin it and you got no misery, you got a different problem. You need to come to the altar. <laughs> But if you're sinning and you can't get comfortable, you can't snuggle down, and <laughs> that's the new covenant and work. And, and God is saying, He's not doing it for you. I will vindicate my own holiness. Because one of the things, see, this is the children of Israel. And when Moses was leading them out of the land, he said, Hey, God, you know, if you kill us, people are going to say, God freed these people and he can't even get it to the other side. I said, oh yeah, you're right, Moses. <laughs> you're right about that. So, for the sake of my own name, God has promised to keep his children and to give them new desires. That's the first work of the Holy Spirit that he does. Suddenly you want this thing that you didn't want. You want to read the word. You want to pray. You want to be with Christians. You want to obey. <laughs> this is wonderful. Like, I mean, and I needed it because I said, God, I want something else too. <laughs> but the proof was that that wasn't all I wanted. The proof, and, and one day, God has promised, we're going to cash in on this. So to defeat this stuff, you got to yield to the new covenant. You got to pray to God. God, have faith. I, I quoted that verse today, Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. A reward. Psalm eighty six four. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord God gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold from them that walk upright. God is a rewarder. <laughs> Problem is we want the wrong reward. <laughs> that was another thing C.S. Lewis talked about. You know, oh, we're just kids hanging out in the mud slums, happy making mud pies because we can't imagine the, the, the beauty of a holiday at the sea. Mm -hmm. So we make these mud pies in the slums, ducking bullets and carrying Thinking we really get something. Because <laughs> we can't imagine the beauty of a holiday out of the sea. Mm -hmm. A day at the beach is what he was talking about. He said, I, your desires are too small. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the question when fighting temptation is never, oh, I just got a hunger down, I can't not do it. No, you're going to yield. 
The question is, which way are you going to yield? <laughs> You're going to yield somewhere, so yield to God. Yield to the new nature. Amen? Amen. Okay, one more break. It's 519, so we can be out of here close to on time. Um, yeah, let me pray. For me. Or does anybody else feel like praying? I love praying. Sure. Sweet, sweet. So we're taking a ten-minute break. Ten minutes. <laughs> so I'll pray that we should come back in ten minutes. Amen. Uh, Father, uh, I, yeah, this is amazing stuff. Lord, I just, uh, I pray uh, you would continue whatever it is you're working in all of us right now. You would, uh, you would do that uh, throughout this ten-minute uh, break time, and uh, as we come back. We would be prepared to continue to allow you to speak to us. This is this is this is amazing stuff. Thank you for lifting up Jesus right now and um, help us to continually receive uh, um, what you have for us. Because God, we want more of you, more of Jesus, and we do want to obey you. That's why we're here. We're here to follow and obey. So I pray by the power of Spirit, continue to to speak to us and give us great encouragement that your grace is sufficient enough to keep us in this. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.